everyone welcome to more than meets these guys this week we are going to delve into the very very present uh void rivals with the three that came out last year and transforms number one which i think also came out last year uh from skybound comics uh the offshoot from uh that was, was brought by um hold on robert kirkman and his little branch of image <laughs> it's like yes. the the walking dead guy um so yeah it was a really neat um transition and this hasn't been everyone's cup of tea that's i mean first and foremost not everyone likes it i like it because i i read the walking dead comics which i know you did boo and yeah really like how they're kind of nihilistic they're not very there's there's no happy endings and there's no um there's no hollow forms going in having fun on a planet and it's it's pretty 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 bleak and yeah. that was pretty much brought right into this uh, universe. We know uh, Robert Kirkman is a fan of uh, the um, of the uh, Sunbow Show. Yeah. Oh, very much so. It appears yeah. he, you know, he he's pretty much around the same age we are. Yeah. So right in the uh, wheelhouse. But and so I started with uh, Void Rivals, which was a huge to do because when IDW lost the uh, the license to do the comics, um, Skybound picked it up. Which is like I said, an offshoot image, and so yeah, um, it's one of the the insular studios. The way yeah, yeah. image is structured, and uh, I, I think this is uh, you know Robert Kirkman obviously has a lot of pull with image, so this is his kind of way to um, go about and give his like his his outlook on it. And like I said, it's not for everyone, but um, I I'll just start this off. Uh, Void Rivals is. Building the um, it was, it's called the Energon Universe comic universe. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. He is we called it. Yeah, it's the Energon Universe. This is the yeah. the 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 new, I guess, G one universe that we're getting from them. Well, yeah. The, the, the nice thing about this is, is we're going to see there's a lot of references to things from the Sunbow Show, which are great and actually very, very um, prescient for the episodes where uh, Ed and I are about the uh, review being Child's Play and then the Gambler. So yes, it's, and it's also tying in uh, GI Joe. It is, which I I, I read um, Cobra Commander number one, which was really good. Nice. So all of this kind of meshes really nicely together. I, I'm I'm really liking how they're world building really fast and very it's very frenetic. It's not there's no calm times. There's no no lags. There's no one. There's not like an like an off episode or issue of the comic where people are doing something silly. It's it's mm-hmm. all pretty much one full story, and it feels like it's only happening over like, well, I, I think the the Transformers uh, issue feels like it only happens over like a couple hours. There's so much that goes on. Yeah, but uh, Void Rivals is where we start, and uh, this is the cover for Void Rivals number one. Well, actually, sorry, that's the cover. <laughs> this is the cover, and this is the cover, and this is the cover, and <laughs> this is the cover. Um. So, uh, I gotta that last give one a, was the best one, I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> I gotta <laughs> give a uh, shout out to uh, um, Zab for uh, getting those to me. Um, it was really great, and I l- love all different covers. Uh, yeah, I do love the Sesame Street cover. That's probably my favorite with uh, Skyfire. Hey, look, everyone, Skyfire. Um, so, uh, <laughs> a little yeah. monster at the end of this book reference. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, man, the first issue. Um, we, a, like a lot of enemy, enemy mind vibes, which, uh, you know, a movie with uh, Louis Gossett Jr. and uh, 
Dennis oh Quaid. God. Dennis Quaid, thank you. I want to say yeah. Randy Quaid, that's the wrong Quaid. Uh, they came out in the 80s. Um, <laughs> he blows up aliens with his plane. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so you have um, you have two uh, like rival worlds that are um, they're, they're basically going after a like um, a Hail Mary mission to save their worlds. Yeah, and they, they've been at that war so long. They don't even know why they're at war anymore kind of thing. It's it's a very. I wouldn't say stars, star cross lovers kind of thing, but it kind of gets that vibe also um, like the uh, the two main characters uh, you have. Uh, Salila, or I guess a Salila. Yeah, Salila, yes, yes, Zertonian, and uh, and then the, the Agorian Derek, who has a hand droid. His hand talks to him. Um, so yeah, the uh, <laughs> talk to the, the hand. Yeah, <laughs> male and female uh, warring factions end up on a, they end up on this um this comet, and they're uh, they're they both their ships crash. It's a big problem. And they uh, they realize they have to look out for each other. You know, they they're they're got to kind of work work together to get things going. So, yeah, yeah which is it's a neat concept. Which they don't know. get along at first. They oh, try no. to kill each other a little at first, and then realize they need each other. Yeah, with Derek is um is really bad at the killing part. He's just a pilot. Yeah, I mean, he's real bad. But uh, <laughs> they, yeah, they have to work together to rebuild the ship. They basically take um most of her ship and a bunch of his parts and uh, try to link them together and you know make a a viable spaceship to get out of there. Which they're, they're surprised that, you know, their parts are compatible. Because they're so different, are they? Yes. And uh, that, that sounds like a double entendre. Their parts are so compatible. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that was intentional as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like how he attributed, oh, your spies must be really good because, you know, your tech is compatible with our tech. So it has to be your spy network. Is doing this. It's, it's nothing else. Couldn't yeah. be anything else. Couldn't be that we have a common, um, you know, ancestry or path or common, you know, history. Not that long ago, it's one of the things where um, I'm trying to think of a, sto- a story that works like this, where they um, they're like it actually sounds like a Doctor Who plot, and I think it is actually. But there's been two. Um, there's been a faction that splits at one point, and they've been fighting so long, and it's those so many generations that they forget why they're even fighting anymore. Yeah. As well, very much, yeah. You know, you, you see that trope in Star Trek also, like especially original the black series. Black white guys. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he, he's black on the left side, and I'm black on the right side. Are you blind? You know, it's a heavy-handed bit of racism, and there's a lesson yeah. in there, everyone. Well, but, and you find out, you know, they actually—they're not even from different worlds. They're from the same, like, ring world around a black hole. Yeah, which sacred ring. Yeah, the sacred ring, which is where this all you know works in. Um, they, you know, they, they've been kind of, they're like mushrooms. They're fed a bunch of yes. droppings and, and kept them dark. Um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, they're something uh, else this reminds me of is, that, uh, space above and beyond. Okay. So I just started watching that series. Don't ruin that one for me. I just, oh, really? Oh yeah. Well, I, I've never yeah, seen it. A, uh, when you finish it, you'll see what I'm talking about here. There's like shades of that to this as well. That's cool. Um, yeah, actually, yeah. the uh, space above and beyond is. Uh, I, I basically I watched the first episode where they were all you know attacked on the planet, and they have these the aliens, and then they find there's an alien that you know they capture, and there's a whole thing. Anyways, yeah, it looks really good. It is very much um the early '90s kind of like we're gonna throw some Babylon Five style graphics in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
So, I mean, yeah, they worked with what they had, but I, I like the vibe so far of that. So it, it yeah. was a really good series. I was kind of sad to see it only go one season. Yeah, a lot of good uh, series is only do that one season. Well, yeah, especially on Fox. <laughs> it was Fox, a Fox loves series, killing so. the show, man. Oh, right. is this a good show? Nah, we're going to axe it. Oh, wait, wait till you get to the end and you see the hook. And you're like, no, they couldn't leave it like that. And they <clears> man, that's going to, it's going to give me a lot of uh, Exit Squad vibes, a lot of, uh, well, I mean, oh, yeah. everyone's favorite thing is Firefly. You're into Firefly too early. That's a show I went back and rewatched. I actually in the box set, and I don't like it as much as I thought I would over time. Anyways, sorry for everyone, all you brown coats who got really mad at me for that one. You but monster. I actually I like Serenity <laughs> pretty well still, but the the show has a lot of silliness. I think it's because it only lasts one season. It really didn't get a chance to keep fleshing out things. But I'm, I'm yeah. assuming a, a space above and beyond probably has a lot of that. I like the whole in vitro kids are, you know, like a subclass of humans, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So that that's kind of neat. But going back to this, um, yeah, they 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 get the uh, the parts all together and they try to fire it up and it blows apart. So they're basically at square one. They're running out of food and water. They're gonna, you know, suffocate all that kind of stuff on this on this comet. Oh yeah. But uh so- that's when Derek saves uh Salila. Yeah. When the ship blows up. Yeah. And she's like, get off me. He's like, well, okay, fine. I'm just trying to save you. And um, she puts out his jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're working through trust issues. Which you know, yeah, being actually, mortal enemies. And I, I like that because uh, he gives the first big trust um, olive branch. The first, mm-hmm. like, it's not, it's not so much that like, he gives out the first one. He gives out the first purposeful one, but... Oh, we'll get there in a you know in a bit here. Um, <clears throat> so Leela finds something seemingly crashed into the surface of this comet, and uh, they revive it. And suddenly, hey kids, it's 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 Skyfire. Um, no, Jetfire. Oh, Jet. I'm oh, sorry, it's Jetfire in this. They they didn't call him Skyfire. My bad. I I had to keep changing that back because in the show, you know, the uh, somebody show you Skyfire, but somebody. they don't have those rights, I guess. Yeah, it's the the modern Jetfire with the Skyfire animation model. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, like we had yeah. in Siege. Yeah, exactly. But Jetfire is like uh, he goes. He's he's trying to figure out. He's like looking at his hands. He realizes there's a lot of like a bacterial fungal buildup, and he's like he, he realizes he's been on this uh, comet for a long time. Yeah, I think he says millions of years. Yeah, and yeah. he kind of flips out and just bolts. And they're like, no, 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 no. Didn't even ask if they need help. <laughs> take take us with you. He's gone. So he leaves. And like, what? No getting off of Gilligan's Island? Yeah, really, it is. <laughs> it's it's like there's a tanker that showed up, a, a tanker ship showed up on Gilligan's Island. They all like met him, and the tanker goes, oh, "We're going to be late. We got to go, guys." And they're all all, all the survivors like, "Take us with you. There's plenty of room." But yeah, anyways. Um, but you know, honestly, if he had done that, we wouldn't get the series the way it runs. Which you know, here we go. Right. So uh, he, he like whole hope is lost. They're just they're just like yeah, this is it. Fine. So he does something that um, is the first I think purposeful um, show of trust. He takes off his helmet. What you know, honestly, up to this point, I didn't know if they were but like robots or whatever. Is it, it doesn't really look like spacesuits like we're you know kind of used to a lot of these shows or a lot of these uh, these books. Right. Or just yeah. some kind of weird aliens. Yeah, I mean, he even has the uh, the the android 
Uh, so you, I'm assuming he has like a robot attached to his arm kind of thing. Right. And he does, but yeah, they're, uh, he takes his, his helmet off and, uh, she takes hers off and they realize that they're not that different. Yeah. They're the same uh, species pretty much. Yeah. Um, and he mentions something about a vision and how this is coming, coming, kind of coming, you know, forth like his vision was, which, uh, they go into an issue two. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I, did yeah. you notice the uh, trademark information at the end of issue one? Mm-mm. If you have it handy, look on the very last page. Okay, I'm going to go right, right under Robert Kirkman's uh, little message. Oh, that's the wrong issue. Um, sorry, there's so many issues. Number, issue number one's. Uh, I'll <laughs> use this one. No, that's number five. <laughs> Okay, well, I imagine it'll be the same on any of them. Okay, well, if you're going to tell me that, then fine. We'll go to issue number two. We'll look at this. Um, it's right well, next to the Hasbro logo. Image, Skybound. Uh, um, or maybe it'd be huh. easier to find a number one. <laughs> well, fine, man. Um, Skybound Comet. Okay, I'm going to look at number one. We're going to figure this out real quick. Yeah, let's go to number one. It's easier, number one. I was going to do that. You stopped me. So there's probably number two. No, well, apparently it's not. (laughs) It's somewhere else in number two. (laughs) Rip open my uh, other cover, number one here. Man. Okay. At least it's not like a sealed death of Superman bag or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, right under Robert Kirkman, huh? Um. I am looking for something here. It's right after, you know, where she says, like, what vision? The next page. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, hey, everyone, this is uh, how things get recorded. Uh, special thanks to Hasbro's Michael Kelly and Lane. What are you talking about? Um, Void Earls. Uh, Linda Lee, Taylor Rio for their... Oh, yeah, it's where it says Void Rivals and all related characters are trademarks of Hasbro. So Void Rivals is actually a Hasbro property. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, we're, so this we're isn't in... just a a framing thing that is part of Skybound, but it is part of Hasbro, so Hasbro could potentially make a Void Rivals toy line. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this is we're getting into the um to the uh the issues where we had the the uh, UK Transformers books had Death's Head. Death's Head was brought into Marvel. Because yeah, he's also brought into Doctor Who, Transformers, the rest of Marvel. Death says is a Marvel character, but it's not a Transformers character. Almost was. Yeah, um, and the same uh, thing with Circuit Breaker. That's right. Circuit Breaker yeah. was brought so, in. Yep. So we'll have these guys available for you know future stuff because they are trademarked as Hasbro. <clears throat> so that was very uh, that, that was cool that they did that because yeah, it's, it's really nice. Because we um, always have those really cool characters off to the side, like Death's Head and Circuit Breaker and yeah. stuff that we just can't have because, you know, the rights are kind of snarled up or nobody, the people that have them aren't interested in doing much with them. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't the thing with uh, Circuit Breaker, she is actually a Marvel character. Yeah, her first appearance, uh, they did the same thing with Death's Head. Uh, yeah. They put their first appearance in a Marvel comic. That's just like a little right. one shot, which she showed up in Secret Wars 2, number yes, three. Yes, she was talking to the Beyonder, right? Yeah, she was talking to the Beyonder about how much she hates robots. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> that's kind of all she ever talked about. She's kind of one note with that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, was her her name is uh not Lori. It's um Josie. Josie. Thank you. Yeah. Josie Beller. Josie Beller. Yeah. And, and then with Death's Head, they had him pop up in a little one page comic called High Noon Text, which was okay. printed in the back of a uh, Marvel comic, uh, one of the Marvel UK comics. So that would establish him as a Marvel character that was just on loan to Transformers. And as you showed me, um, he is actually his, the, his, you know, skull helmet or you know, head is on display. And, um, is, is that guardians of galaxy? Guardians, uh, is, is uh, it neverwhere or nowhere? Yeah, oh no. It's, uh, well, yeah, I guess it's nowhere. It's important. Yeah. yeah. We're the collectors in the collector's collection. Yeah. I mean, they had a lot of things in there. Like they had, um, uh, the Russian dog, uh, Cosmo, yeah, uh, yeah. Howard the Doug is in there. It was like it was like a little grab bag of all these little things we we all love. Yeah, his his uh. Help. Oh no, he he was in, in the ride, right? Or is he actually? Yeah, it was the... the ride. It wasn't on the show or in the That's movie. Right. It was like at the the attraction at Disney. Right. Yeah, but I'll... he it shows that he is on their radar. Yeah, which is nice. I would yeah. love to see that. Can you imagine? Um, you know, we're we're getting into this weird, you know, crossing of um uh, of the Sony characters. And the Marvel characters and all that, because we have like you know Deadpool and Wolverine coming out. You had the, mm-hmm. um, you had a lot of that crossing over. Um, you know, Colossus, um, uh, Negasonic and Teenage Warhead, um, yeah. all those. You know, the God. I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, Juggernaut. Juggernaut. And uh, you so you have all these characters kind of crossing over and being like building in this universe. Spider Man as well. So it'd be kind of cool to actually have a, a thing where Death Set shows up and a little. Death said and Deadpool would be a great little combination. I don't well, and they're that. dancing through like everything that Death had interacted with. Like he, he interacted with Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. he interacted with the TVA, which we see in Loki. And yep. now that's going to be involved in Deadpool, which yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And then he was interacting with She Hulk. So, like everything, it's just dancing around. Man, that know. is a, that is a show I really liked, She Hulk. They did a great mm-hmm. job with that. That should get more of that. I don't know. People are there's some some weird um uh crying from some of the uh corners of the internet about that show. It was done really well though. Oh yeah. Well She Hulk was never at least the, the She Hulk in the eighties I grew up with was never something serious. It was always kind of tongue in cheek, <laughs> kinda she was like Deadpool before Deadpool. Yeah, she broke the said. fourth wall before Deadpool. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of comic um covers during the nineties where she's just like looking at the, uh, the reader, like, you know, believe this is going on. And she's like kind of in the foreground with stuff going on behind her. It was oh, yeah. totally tongue in cheek. It was great. So, um, but yeah, uh, they've even like worked on uh stuff, I guess. Uh, is it saber? I think is the yeah. MCU version of sword. Yeah. <laughs> and death head played a big part in the sword comic. Okay. It could be something I'd like to see it. We'll see. Yeah. That. I'd really like to see Death Head show up in that. But. I mean, dude, if they got some of the, if they got the Eternals in there, we could see, have Death's Head. Why not? I'd rather watch Death's Head than the Eternals any day. Oh, yeah. The Eternals. Okay. I like the Eternals. Uh, also, um, there's a kind of cool to have, um, you know, David K doing a voice in the Eternals. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It was just not very exciting. It was yeah. setting up like phase three or whatever they're on, phase four. I can't remember. But well, um, the, the Eternals was always such a, I guess, more of a world building mm-hmm. story than really anything else about the celestial seating life on Earth and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that. very analogous. Yeah. I mean, we but had it, to, 
I never could get real deep into Eternals as the comics. Yeah, I mean, honestly, um, it was Marvel's, you know, Cosmos, you know, kind of um, offshoot where you have things like ego. I mean, mm-hmm. you have these these existential threats. You know, you have um, you have all the the uh, celestials, like you said. They they don't really care about what's going on on Earth to a point. Well, and it was always like a latent threat that was just like they would mention like the sleeping celestial that was really causing the earthquakes in California and stuff like yeah. that. You'd yeah. get references to that, but it was always like, yeah, they never woke it up because when it did, it would destroy the whole world. Yeah, that's basically a big egg. You know, it's very yeah. much uh, like what they did with uh, Unicron in uh, the Transformers Prime show. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, how Unicron was Earth, but you yeah. know, everything grew up around it. But speaking of uh, Transformers and Void Rivals, one of my favorite characters and a character will be coming up in two episodes with Ed and I coming up soon. Skuzgoid. Oh, yeah. Skuzgoid is awesome. Oh, he's great. Um, he like, really made every issue he pops up in. Uh, he, he makes the story. Oh, he's fun because uh, you, he's almost like uh, he's almost like Swindle. Yeah. Which Swindle's one of my favorite, um, you know, G1 characters on the show because he, he just kind of looks out for himself. You know, he gives, he, he's see a, him teaming up with Swindle. Oh, God, yes. You know, so the uh, Slazardo got with uh, Devcon, but Devcon would never have teamed up with Skuxoid because he's just terrible. It would well, have been and, a... you know, later. Slazardo ends up hanging with the Skuxoid. Yeah. Well, he does in later. the Sumbo cartoon. <laughs> yeah. It didn't have a lot of choice, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, yeah you got to find a way to survive. So, yeah, man, issue number two, we get a little flashback to Derek's leaving and his father's really bad fatherhood skills. <laughs> his dad's a jerk. Just, you know, don't don't disappoint me. It, it seems like he's already disappointed when he says that. Oh, yeah. If you, if you, uh, dis- if you let me down, you're letting us all down, but me especially. Mm-hmm. Me, no pressure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You got this, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, you see Derek get into his ship, and uh, he's like the last hope for all of Agorian uh, kind, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they, they tell you a little bit about the Agorians and the Zertonians. Um, and they just kind of give you a little backstory of them. It doesn't really flesh it out a lot, but it kind of gives you more of what we've been talking about, where they're really the same race, but just took different uh, paths. So, which is kind of... I, I almost caught like a, a flavor of like the Marvel comics uh Nebulons. Yeah, actually I very much like the Nebulons, the hive and um well the the Galen and Z- yeah Lord Zarek. Yeah, exactly. And his daughter Lyra and all that. Like how they they were more human like yeah in Marvel comics. They, they and, weren't they weren't dead spinach guys. Right. <laughs> so yeah these uh these aliens seem they just seem to remind me a lot of their architecture kind of looks, you know, like the Nebulon uh architecture and stuff from the Marvel comics. Yeah, the um the it's it's a very like um <clears throat> whatever we would look at like uh covers like in the like nineteen seventies era, nineteen eighties, early nineteen eighties uh, era sci fi novels. Yeah, the pulp sci fi stuff. Yeah, the pulp sci fi spires. Everybody had spires and stuff. Yeah, so. Arches and spires and everything like that. So weird yeah. angles. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was futuristic. Um so anyways, uh so actually in like some of my favorite Asimov uh novels that I read have that sort of thing going on. Actually um um the uh 
it was God, it was a caverns of steel. Mm-hmm. It was uh yeah they had they they described a world like that when you have these uh these spires and archways and you know everything's very I don't know if the word's uh clinical but it's very devoid of warmth and that's kind of yeah. what their 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 worlds are like yeah I, I pick up hints from Dune to this too like the the yeah. rival houses kind of and they're fighting over resources yeah. which in this case it's water which. You know, you, that that's the Dune is really the you know, the basis of a lot of that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, you have uh, that. You have actually uh, the show that came out in the nineties uh, when Beast Wars was coming out, War Planets, same kind of thing. Yeah. They all have a common goal, but they just fight amongst each other. So that that's one of those old sci-fi tropes that works really well. Um, there, the both of these worlds are like on the brink of of just disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's um, uh, Salila says mentions the uh the running out of water they're gonna run out in her in her generation yeah and the agorians seem all right with it they're just trying to keep the zirktonians from getting water yeah it's it's more of like uh, they're trying to keep the status quo but they're also they also know their times you know limited at this point mm-hmm. so um yeah so derek is having a vision though it involves the uh joining of both cultures like there's this uh this white silhouette of two different beings the, the uh, gems on their both heads like she has a blue one he has a green one and mm-hmm. the uh, being merges into one right and like if they don't join together they work together they both perish so i mean it really heavy-handed uh saying like hey figure it out work together you know uh yeah like that that's a lesson to us all <clears throat> anyways uh yeah that's another thing it, it kind of reminded me of like paul atreides dreams and stuff very much like you have to, uh, you you be you know, join with the um, the uh, the natives of Arrakis, right? Fremen. If uh, you can do that, you become like one with the Fremen. You'll succeed. Otherwise, you'll fail. Instead of working against them, like the Harkonnens had done, and and actually, honestly, the Emperor had done. If you exploit them, you're gonna end up yeah, bad off. Those colonizers. Which, yeah, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it really was. It really was colonizers, and that's just kind of funny how, in the end, that was not the right. But anyways, that's Dune's a whole other thing, man. Oh yeah, you, you hey, can yeah, do a whole I'll, podcast just on that. No, I don't want to because <laughs> I I'm one of those people. I will go on record as I do not like Dune. I do not like. <laughs> I do not like the book. I like the story. I like the premise. I like the um the the broad strokes. That is one of the hardest books to read because it is so entrenched with customs and politics that it just gets bogged down to me. It's a it's a lot of like detailed world building. The same reason it, I like Robert Jordan. Yeah, but it's all like the the Star Wars prequels. Oh my <laughs> god, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's like... all all the politics and stuff oh. with like very little of the the action. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see a uh, sting fight. You know, uh, Paul Trades and right. chip his knife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, they, they, they have the whole vision. Um, but they um, the they get together and they kind of cobbled together a really crude rocket out of the rest of the parts from the ships. And oh uh, yeah, yeah. Derek's like, we're gonna have to wear our um, spacesuits because there's no protection to this cabin. So good luck to us. You know, it looks kind of like a, a stripped down broadside. It does. <laughs> it really does. <clears throat> I actually, uh, I don't know if you've watched the show, The Expanse. 
a little uh, bit. Oh, you could do yourself a favor and watch more of that show. Anyways, it's mm-hmm. so good. Uh, there's there's a there's like a like a like a there's a racing ship that one of the it's kind of a it's called the Razorback in the show. It's very much like a cockpit in a long ship and wings in the in, a, in an engine. That's all it is. Um, so that it kind of reminds me of like a really like a white trash version of that. Um, so yeah, they, 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 they like have things barely covered. There's panels, there's, there's like framing opened to the elements, but the, uh, the comic really doesn't have much of an atmosphere and, or gravity. So it's not really a big problem. Mm-hmm. So as long as they can get off the ground, they'll be okay. Thanks a lot. Jetfire. You could have made this all easier, but no, no. Okay. He was a scientist on top of that. So he could have like helped them like put their stuff together. Dude, he He's yeah, a even if he didn't want to fly him and be their taxi, he, he could have like helped them put their ship together. <laughs> He's like, nope, I'm out. Thanks, guys. Millions of years. Millions of years. And After he, he drained spend... their batteries, too. Oh, I know. <laughs> five minutes. It was taking five minutes to get a thing probably ship shape and like, here, let me seal the cabin for you. Okay, you guys are going to get real cozy, but you're not going to die. Uh, this but... is why Cybertronians <laughs> aren't popular in the galaxy. They're not. They're not at all. Um, <laughs> it's going back to the old uh, IDW drift comic <laughs> where they oh, all talk yeah. about how Cybertronians are a plague. They are. Oh, man. <laughs> Every plant uh, they show on, they wreck fighting each other. <laughs> they are. There's there's the uh, issue where uh, Ultra Magnus uh, finds the, the um, God, it was like the uh, Tyrus Accord um, police, basically the space police. Yeah. And they're pissed off that there are, you know, Cybertronians and like, he's like, hey, I'm a, you know, a part of the tire squad, and like, oh yeah, you can speak for all of them because we don't trust the rest of them because they're a plague. He yeah. was RoboCop. He was. <laughs> he was. Uh, he was Robo Paladin and annoying. Um, <laughs> even had a little mustachio. Um. So yeah, they 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 uh they get off the the surface, and the hand droid informs them that they're likely to be discovered in twelve point four years. Surprise. Yep. They're not moving fast at all. No, they're drifting these ways. They're shooting a ping, but the ping, by the time it gets to where it's going to go and before someone actually realizes that there's something going on, it's going to be far too long. They're going to, they'll, they'll, they'll suffocate before they get found long. before. Yeah. They're, they're feeling the vastness of space there. That's actually one of the things I really like about that. That's also, once again, I'll, I'll harken back to the expanse space there's a lot of space in space. It, it, it's vast. We don't, our, our minds aren't capable of understanding how vast space is. So this is a nice way of saying like, you know, Hey, we're going to go off and that pinpoint right there. That's, that's the whole area we're going to be in right up there. And uh, good luck finding someone. Oh so, yeah. So basically all they're done is they've strapped themselves to some driftwood. Like to get off the island. That is exactly. They actually they strap themselves with driftwood and they put like a little um little lantern on their back. Yeah, that's essentially what they have. One paddle <laughs> to fight <laughs> off the sharks, right? Or the shark guns. All right. So yeah. uh, speaking of though um, of that, there is this. They they notice that there's this like asteroid following them mm-hmm. aggressively. Yeah, it's like tracking them. Yeah. Comes up on them and these claws come out and pulls uh, their ship right into the inside of the uh, the asteroid. Which they find that looks out. familiar. Yeah, it does. 
we find out that it is a uh, that is a, an asteroid or actually what is the uh, a rockeroid rockeroid thank you i had yeah. to like i had to read that in the name in the on the comic page like rock rock yeah i did like phonetically do it because it doesn't really work but yes rockeroid uh, <laughs> i'm brought in there and there, there is immediately um waylaid by the skuxoid um he's he's a yeah i mean honestly it's really great timing because he's going to come up in the gambler so i'm really happy about that but um that's kind of he's not in the gambler wait he's in uh, season three i'm sorry yeah he's like a recurring season three uh devcon and Cesardo, yes, Cesardo. Oh my who, god! Like I said, in season three, you see Cesardo hanging out with Skuxoid. Yeah, well, why not? So that's probably where you got the the crosswire there. Mm-hmm. It all runs together, you know. Once Acom takes over, it's all downhill. Oh yeah, <laughs> but the cover for issue three, the Quinnison Prosecutor, and I am so happy to see that. Oh yeah, they're 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 pulling in like all the little side races. Oh yeah, from season three, they are, which is really neat. Um, which it, it's funny too, because you know we like to think this is G one, and we're thinking more like in the season one terms, but yeah. this is apparently occurring like now. Yeah. So this is post the time period for season three, <laughs> because season three took place in two thousand six. So we're we're like. <laughs> What, 18 years after season three, technically? I was going to say, it is the year 2005. Yeah, that that far future (laughs) of Transformers is now distant. uh, It's just as far in the past from us now as it was in the future when the movie was made in 86. It is. It is uh, Spike, Carly, and Daniel in their magic underwear. They went off into space somewhere, so we'll never see them again. Or will we? (laughs) Hmm. <laughs> so uh yeah they are uh they there's they're running they're they basically go and they go out on an attack on the skuxoid Derek goes down because he's just really bad at at fighting because he's a pilot but salila takes down <laughs> the skuxoid. he's really bad it's like you you okay i'm alive huh no that happens later i'm sorry but uh the skuxoid's like hey i got a wife and kids to worry about Oh yeah, and Salila is like an Amazon. She's got her yeah. spear, and she is a warrior. Yeah, she is wrecking stuff. Yeah, she's she's really good at that too. But I I love that the uh, the Skugs always pulls the thing he says when they, they see him on the uh, in season three. I've got a wife and kids. Oh yeah, they totally pulled his uh, catchphrase. Yeah, which I love that so much. You know, and he doesn't. He's got his. Uh, I don't know because he's still got his chastity belt. <laughs> he's wearing his chastity belt oh god oh god he does doesn't he yeah he's got a lock on that so oh my god i really think he does have a wife and <laughs> it doesn't come off till he comes home with the paycheck <laughs> she's keeping that thing locked down you better find me a bounty or some ships to trade right he really we really need a series just for him i would i would read every issue of a skuxoid comic just if, to see the mishaps he gets into, because that would be a perfect way to bring in Death's Head too. Oh, that or you know, just just him and Cesardo or whatever, just trucking around and their their mishaps, all their deals going sideways, and they still kind of weasel out of it. 
Yeah, it's kind of like um, IDW. I really like the Scavengers. Like they were really right. bad as a team, but they were fun to, to watch or read. I mean, rather. you can do like a heist comic with these guys, and it's always just like <laughs> haphazard. Just how how do they even survive? <laughs> there should be like every every uh, issue. Like uh, they're like they find out some heist, and one of the two of them always goes, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." Yeah, or, you know, just the odd jobs that he's having to do in space. Actually, yeah, and, like, in the way that um, you kind of go with uh, the Firefly, you know, they're they're basically drifting through space, running on fumes. They got to get a job or they're not going to be able to survive. And right. a job falls under the lap. The job's probably really bad. It's really dangerous. They wouldn't normally do it, but, well, they have to get, you know, fuel. They need they need food. Or actually, uh, for other people, Cowboy Bebop. Or Farscape, even Farscape. Oh yeah, I mean all yeah. these. That is a, that is once again a um, a sci-fi trope. So you have a you have a like a ragtag team, and they are just holding. They are running. They're just trying team. to survive. They're <laughs> they're living paycheck to paycheck. Is what they're yeah. doing. Even worse than that. Um. Yeah. So. Not welcome on most worlds, which I'm sure this Guxoid. <laughs> yeah. He he doesn't seem very welcome. That's actually one. That's one of the things I really liked about about like I I kind of you know, talk down about it. But uh, like the one thing I like about Firefly, they're like, okay, we, uh, we have a possibility to go into this planet. And they're like, we can't go to that planet. Why? She, she shot you last time. Oh, well th- that was a long time ago. That's, that's the kind of thing I'd like to see with the Skuxoid and Cesardo comic. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I sold his, uh, his mom into slavery. Well, do you think he remembers? Nah, so it was a while ago. That'd be kind of cool stuff to see. Oh Yeah. But uh, yeah, that would be that'd be a great way, on, you know, to bring in all kinds of new characters, and I don't know what they get away with. Um, honestly, if you if you have the um, image world, uh, there's a lot of possibilities. Image actually has come a long way in like the last twenty years. Uh, there's there's oh, a yeah. lot of really good stories that they're putting out. Well, huge fan of the comic saga, which you know that's in the here thing over there, but. So they, uh, you know, Skuck's always complaining about he's a wife and kids. He, he needs their bounties. He's got to, you know, make some money. They run off down this, this, the uh, hallways in the storage area. And uh, they realize this is a big ship. I like how he, he pulls like the, the GTA cop. I'm not going to chase you. <laughs> yeah. don't make me run. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone listening. Abu and I played a lot of late night GTA. <laughs> oh yeah, it never gets old. It never gets old. Um, I'm... <laughs> I, I wish I had a. There should be a drinking game for. I'm a marine. Um, because I. I was just thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, they're they're running through this uh this essentially a warehouse ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're trying to find something to you know, get into, trying to find food because they're obviously starving because they haven't eaten in a little while. And she's like knocking on different these different containers, opens up this one container that has this giant like robotic scorpion thing that instantly starts attacking them. Yeah, I think it's kind of scary looking. It's real scary looking. It's a very um. Did you did you see the um the newer uh, Clash of the Titans movies? Yeah. Okay, you know the scorpions that um well actually they were in the original one too, but they're I think they were a little more imposing in the, in the they movie. were lifelike scorpions yeah. in the first one. Oh so, yeah, yeah, they're about that size, actually. 
That and there's kind of shades of the uh Bayverse Scorponok. Yeah, I can see that too. I mean, they, they all it all kind of worked together like that. And this is where um Salila's like, hey, I need you to help me here. You need to like, you know, close the um, you know, the, the cell when I get it in there. She's like, Can you do that? Like, i I'm gonna try. <laughs> He's essentially saying, I'm real bad at doing stuff besides flying. You so. you can tell his daddy issues are coming through there with the don't yeah. disappoint me. He's like, well, I can <laughs> try. Like, I don't want to make any promises. <laughs> are you okay? I'm alive. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, that's, there's a lot of that whole, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's bad. He's, well, he's and and Handroid seems to be doing all the heavy lifting for him. He's like, no, you can do this. Just get me near it. And I can, you know, <laughs> yeah. do my Android, thing. Handroid is like, Look, man, you're terrible at this. Just give me close, I'll do it. He puts he puts Android up on the uh up on the panel and activates it and they, they shove the scorpion, which by the way, the 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 uh door comes down, chops off like half of the scorpion's legs and like one half of the pincer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, rip uh that scorpion. They they, they rancored him. They did, they really did. <laughs> uh, but you know. So they're like, they're trying to figure out what do we do now. And there's this voice like, hey, guys, hey, hey, help me out here. I can help you out. I got a ship. I'm like, oh, this is, we'll check this out and go over to that, to the little, like that, that box. I call it cell, but it's really, they're like storage containers. Yeah. It goes over and opens it up. And there is the Quintus on prosecutor. Who, <laughs> it's, it's literal storage wars. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, so yeah, the prosecutor comes out like, "Hey, you know, uh, I didn't come here as a uh, as a prisoner. I came here with a ship. And if you guys help me, I'll help you. I'll be indebted to you." And oh yeah, he calls the the skuxoid a brute. <laughs> yeah, well, not wrong, but still. But uh, there's something to this where we're we don't know uh, Quintessence on this universe yet. So I'm immediately thinking like, well maybe they have some sort of code or something and the man when they get to the uh Quintesson ship which by the way is the ship from the you know all the stuff in the movie and uh, season three and transformers right. well it's the scout ship like the one they had in uh the killing jar yes which one of the best episodes um so yeah there's it's the ships in there it's that corkscrew design mm-hmm. and uh you know the skunks always there waiting for him it's which by the way um the entire time the android has been like yeah we're being observed the entire time you know like audio and video or and they're like well nothing we can do about that so i guess uh i hope yeah, they, they just chilling back and watching them oh yeah <laughs> which uh they show up and the skuck's always there he's like he's like hey guys you don't want to trust that one when you're with he will turn on you as soon as uh you're clear of uh the ship and they're like all right wait, whatever it's like look 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 Honestly, I don't even care. Y'all, there's no bounties on you two. I checked. I had a lot of time because you guys were running around for a while. So I took that's some... what he figured. He thought they were fugitives. Yeah. I took a little time. I checked. You don't have bounties. I don't even want you. I do, however, want your ship because it's got some nice alloys that my buddy Slazardo would like to get a hold of. So yeah, there's some rare stuff in there, uh yeah. ship. Yeah, some like rare um, alloys and stuff, probably because their their two planets are, you know, that may be one of the things where they only have um, alloys can only come from so many places in the solar system kind of thing. I don't know. 
But he's like, hey, guys, I will trade you your ship for this Nebulon ship. A pre-hive Nebulon yeah. ship. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's another, you know, Sunbow Rebirth reference. Yep. Which is kind of nice. They're, 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 he, the Skuxa was doing a lot of exposition, heavy name dropping of different things. But it's doing it in a way that um, if we didn't know the history of uh, Transformers, or we were just reading this for, as a as a as a new reader who was not familiar with all the stuff that we know over the last forty years, mm-hmm. way too much. Uh, we, we it would be something we could pick up. We can actually like follow the plot. It wouldn't be like it, it's it's something that you know a p- person can pick and read and get into. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, you don't have to know what the Nebulons are, what they what they were, what how things went. You don't have to know anything about the, the Skuxoid other than the fact that he's uh, a, little, a little shady. The Quintesson is um, is also probably shady. We don't know all that, but he actually has a bounty on him. So that's kind of nice. Yeah, Quintessons are not well liked. So yeah, they uh, they take the ship and they take off. And there's a, there's like a few days. They've had like a few days of like uh, travel, and it's this weird lull. Like they're just having a good old time hanging out together and. And, um, you know, there's it seems to be everything that seems to be going pretty well. Like, I, there's at one point Derek's like running the a hamster wheel inside the ship doing the right. Thing. Well, actually, I'd say it's a hamster wheel. Uh, astronauts do that whenever they're, they're in a international space station to keep their, their muscles going. They right. actually have like um, circular treadmills like that. So wasn't it uh, 2010 they had that? They did. Yes. Yeah, they did. Um, so you you have um, the movie yes. 2010. Yes, <laughs> not not the 14 sequel, years ago. Yeah, the the sequel to 2001: Space Odyssey. <laughs> yes, uh, where oh where the Russians the Americans had to work together. Right there you go. Yes, maybe the, the more uh, shades of that. <laughs> yeah, maybe that the treadmill is actually like a like a like a like a subtle nod to 2010. Very yeah, possible a Easter egg there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so the, she's like, uh, Salil is like, you know, when we get there, what are we going to do? Because we haven't really talked about that because both of their factions are their, their, well, I say races, but they're phenotypically different. They're probably genetically the same. They don't like each other. They don't trust each other. They kill each other on sight. Right. They're like, he's like, oh, it'll be fine. And don't worry, my dad. But you know, fine. you have very Cold War Russia and America vibes. Very much. Too. Yeah. Very much. Uh, this is like, you know, this this is like a honestly that was a kind of cool thing about 2010 to go into a quick thing on it. Um, there were there was the the height of um, like nuclear war, but they were together on um, I think it was the Russian ship, wasn't it? They were on the uh, Russian ship. Or they, they, it's no, been a long they, time since I've watched it. But they had to go to the Discovery. One of the two. Uh, they were they had to work together, or they would. They would and that whole thing of the. Um, working together was it was a symbol for the entire world because you and i grew up during the cold war the yeah. end of the cold war rather so yeah that was a whole thing that was a very we didn't know it was the end of the cold war <laughs> it was pretty well, like, we woke up one day and like oh okay we're done cool because they, they were pretty uh solid about letting us know that any day everything could just be vaporized <laughs> yep um here you if, if anyone ever, has ever seen the uh the 19, I had to say 50s and 60s um, TV or, or, or uh, school, you know, videos about, you know, basically going underneath your desk 
when the uh, the Ruskies attack, mm-hmm. like that was going to help at all. <laughs> like, like the the gum on your desk was going to protect you from nuclear fallout. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that that's essentially like you know what we thought we we're going to have to deal with. Like, well, it's it's the mutually assur- assured destruction thing. We had a lot of movies like war games, like DefCon Four. They have a lot of uh, those those movies that happened or came out during the eighties that. We were always already. We are always waiting for someone to get a itchy trigger finger, and then all the warheads are going to fly. So, mm-hmm. if you think that the modern world is scary, we just gave up. There was just like, like we can't do anything about it. So let's just live our lives and buy transformers. That was the eighties. That was it. <laughs> oh look, the Atari has a new game out. Let's go play E.T. Right. Um, <laughs> anyways. So did you catch the, the Quintessound prosecutor mentioned the Age of Wrath? I didn't catch that. What, what's going on there? Basically, he was saying that, you know, his uh, whole race, all the Quintessons had been basically stereotyped because they were blamed for the Age of Wrath, which he didn't go into detail what it is. But, hmm. you know, that has connotations to things from Dreamwave and IDW. Also, they had Age of Wrath. <clears throat> I don't actually on. remember that. Um, can you like tell a little more about that? Just like broad strokes, I'm trying to remember that. Oh, in in this one. Well, I mean, like uh, what, overall what, what, from like uh, Dreamwave and IDW. I'm trying to remember that. Well, they were leading into the Age of Wrath, and then Dreamwave folded, so okay. we never got the details. But they had the uh, yeah, it was the uh, War Within Age of Wrath. Okay, so yeah. I, I almost wonder if uh, the Age of Wrath refers to um, the uprisings of uh, the Autobots and Decepticons, or well, the, like from one of Furman's like unfinished the scripts for the comics that were unfinished, it was going to be Primus's uh, original children uh, fighting Unicron. It was going to be like their first clash. Oh, okay, yeah, that's what that was leading into. That makes a lot of sense then. Okay, nice. Yeah, and then. It was it was tied into like the the aligned books and stuff too. Okay. Yeah, the stuff is all tied into aligned with the the great cataclysm and the thirteen and all that. I gotta say, man, there's it'd be really cool if we had um if we had a I don't know a a writing I guess um a, a bunch of writers fleshing out the um the you know the world and, and books and stuff like you know I. I don't play it or anything like that. I, I but I've been listening to the Warhammer 40k um um uh, novel novels on you know on Audible the um the um Horus Heresy stuff and the world building there from different you know, authors is really kind of neat and they kind of flesh out the history and like the whole story of it. It would be kind of mm-hmm. cool to have that rather than having just like the cartoon and oh there's a few things that like this author is going to do. But yeah. um, have it like a story bible. So you, ha- this is what we want. You know, you develop the, the uh, interactions, you develop the dialogue. But this is what we're going for. This is what they did. Right. Which uh, in the aligned universe, also Age of Wrath, uh, basically ended when the Quintessons were overthrown by yeah. the Cybertronians. But the way he talks about it here is, it's something that went beyond Cybertron because, like, the whole galaxy seems to be mad at him over it. I wonder if it has something to do with the um the big broadcast of 2006. It, oh, you know that that's actually that would be a that'd be interesting. Well, I mean, yeah, the, if it wasn't that. 
And they were like, they were selling, oh, don't listen, Ed. They were selling arms to uh, to two sides during the war, and the two sides found out that they were selling. But both oh, sides. the journal, yeah. Oh, the Quinson Journal. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, it was two part. That was a two parter. Yeah. Because you had the big broadcast in 2006 where they're trying to retrieve the the journal off of Junkion. Yeah. And then later they retrieved the the journal. If it's the same journal, it seemed like they were chasing that journal quite a bit. (laughs) I just had a face slapping moment. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the symbol behind the Quintesson, that's also the symbol on um, when they did the um, War for Cybertron, you know, um, the other faction, the. what do they call them? The, the mercenaries? Mercenary faction, yeah. It it's similar. It, it's, it's close. A little different. Yeah. It's, it's stylized they did a version. faction symbol, I want to say about 20, 24 years ago. So that is actually a stylized version. You know the 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 head that, that does the Quintesson journals it speaks. It's like um yeah. it's very like almost skeletal Quintesson head that narrates the journal. Yeah. Oh well, you're thinking of the the face inside the matrix oh the matrix okay which actually makes a lot of sense too yeah the the, the deepest entity within the matrix yeah. which yeah once again if you if you that's the thing with uh transformers we have been given retcon so many different uh beginnings and origins i kind of like the fact that it's muddled oh i wonder if it's not tied to the hate plague now that you mention it what if they were responsible for the hate plague and that i can see that as the age of wrath so I, I can there's see a that. lot that they can pull out. Well, considering that um that um Kirkman really seems to like season three, yeah, he's bringing a lot of elements from season three. I could see that being the Age of Wrath. Yeah, so. there, there's lots of options there. Yeah, so I, I'm curious to see what rabbits he pulls out of his hat. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. There's yeah. it's been pretty bleak so far. But uh, we got to get to the uh, next issue, though. They get ready to return, but Salila does something that knocks Derek off his feet and like knocks him out like, yeah. before they return. And cliffhanger. Just when he thought he could trust her. I know. I think, you know, we'll get into season four of eventually, or season four, um, episode issue four eventually. But we got to go into the teaser at the end of this, this book was the uh, teasing Transformers number one. Yeah. Okay, so... Not going into the teaser on this, but going right into the beginning issue one because it kind of works all together. Right. Well, Sparky is not at a good place. They still have a lot of um, where in the um in the American and UK books, he was a Korean War veteran. Mm-hmm. This makes him look like a Vietnam War veteran. The Hueys that were flying. Yeah, it definitely looks like Vietnam. Yeah. I mean, it gives you very heavy, uh, you know, shades of Vietnam. But he is uh, starting at the beginning of the issue drunk at a bar at like, you know, middle of the afternoon, I guess. Yeah. Where, Before work. Before work, where Spike <laughs> yeah. finds him. And, and um, he's like, oh, I just you know, had some errands to run. Or just, you know, got here a little while ago, just a little while ago. The bartender's like, yeah, he's been here since noon. Oh, yeah. The bartender totally rats him out. It's, you get the impression this happens a lot. So the bartender's like, man, whatever. It's got a very small town vibe to it. We're like, it the bartender's not going to lie to his kid. It's like, everybody knows how long you've been here, Sparky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is a little hint thrown around about Jimmy mm-hmm. with this. Uh, you know, be, uh, 
Spike is saying that he he's got his uh, telescope. He's saying him and Carl are going to go watch uh, look at the moon later on. And there's a little mention of Jimmy. So we you know right there. There's you get the impression the reason Spark Plug, or sorry, Sparky is uh, drinking heavily is because something really bad happened to uh, Jimmy at some point. Well, and you're seeing little flashbacks to a space shuttle explosion. Yeah, yeah. You know when he when he's not flashback into whatever war he was in there, he's flashback into that shuttle explosion. And that makes sense. You know, later on in the issue, we see that um, you know, uh, Spike and um, Jimmy used to go to this abandoned quarry to like look at stars and like sneak out and things like that. Yeah, so, you know, you get the impression that you know Jimmy was very very bright and uh, went off to a doomed mission. Let's you know you get for that anyways. But uh, yeah, so you know they they trade some insults. Sparky gets a ride to work, while Spike and Carly go to look at the moon. And by the way, Carly has a rad van. She has a van that reminds me of uh, you know, like the uh, show Archer Krieger always had these rush covers oh, yeah. inside his van. <laughs> it's like um, it's like um, like the fly by night. There's one they're like that. Um, they had the hemispheres. Anyways, they had these great murals pointed on the side of the van. She has this like wizard and dragon, you know, knight kind of uh thing. She has a very D&D um thing on the side of her van. Her dad apparently gets her uh airbrush stuff and she just has a good time painting the van. Oh yeah, it's almost like a, a 70s vibe to it. Very much. Um there was God, there was one movie that came out, I don't know, probably like 15 years ago where yeah, it was the same kind of thing where these these guys were traveling in this van. It was like a, like a kind of a stoner movie. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I'll, I'll I'll probably think about that before you, you finish recording. But uh, yeah, same kind of thing. Oh, and these comics, Kirkman's not doing this. He's like overall the the studio. But yeah, this is Daniel Warren Johnson doing the writing and the art with Mike Spicer doing the colors and Russ Wooten doing the lettering. Which um. I know a lot of people are not big on it. Like it's not very precise. It is not very, um, it's not very Photoshoppy look. It is definitely not Dreamwave style. It's not even IDW style. It is, it reminds me more of, um, did you ever read the uh, Dreamwave Transformers and G.I. Joe? It's very murky. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of this gets very murky. It's not as nearly as bad as that. You actually can see a lot of things going on, but there's it's a- got a, a it looks sketchy and not like sketchy in a bad way, but like it's sketch. It's got hand drawing to it. You can yes. tell this is, and it's. I love our artists in the fandom. Uh, Trigger, you're a great artist. Uh, I, I've known other artists that do great stuff in this, um, but at the end of the day, um, I. I I like seeing the uh, the callback to hand drawn art. Yeah, and it once again this has very much um, layers of The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is like that. Oh, very much. That's what it, it's like a color version of Walking Dead. <laughs> it is. It very much is. Uh, the Walking Dead is a beautiful comic. It is not. Um, it is not perfect by any standards. But well, I mean, just the 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 action and the the movement. Oh yeah, these drawings it's are done gritty. very well. It's dirty, it's bleak. And, and Mike Spicer did a good job on the colors to make things pop and stand out versus, you know, where, you know, if we were dealing with like Yamtov's work, a lot of it would just kind of blend in. <laughs> don't, don't you don't you say his name in this right. 
but just just the shading in here and just the the just the slight variances in the the colors and, and i'll i'll really give you a, a yeah i mean that is i mean the, even the autobot symbols are not like perfectly done like yeah. they are th this one here is different from that one there it's very rough that wasn't a, a cut and paste yeah it's not a cut and paste this is all hand drawn the 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 shadows are deep they are very deep yeah. And the uh, the colors are they they pop because there's so much bleakness to the actual comic. Yeah. So I kind of I like that a lot. But dude, there is so much about to happen in this comic. Yeah. It does not let up. Once again, like a Walking Dead comic, when there's action going on, things happen. They happen fast. Yeah. And uh Daniel Warren Johnson also worked on uh say he did Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Yep. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill, Argent Star, uh do a power bomb image yeah i don't know and, that one um but i, I know murder that... falcon was good i haven't read murder falcon but i've heard good things about it okay yeah you know actually this uh this reminds me of um god who who did the um the daredevil comic was that um not frank miller not frank miller no like the no. newer one um oh the newer one hmm. oh god i'm gonna hold on I cannot do this. I've got to find this real quick though, because the art style in the uh, newer, um, not Darren, yeah, um, Hawkeye. That's what oh, okay. Hawkeye. God, um, it is. There is a certain style to it. The newer Hawkeye comic has this style. the The focus isn't, you know, crazy big. Uh, backgrounds it is all about the focus in the foreground mm -hmm. and I, I like that um there are i'm gonna okay i am not seeing it now I, i'll try to i thought when i figured it out i'll put it on the video i'll put the name right across the top i i'm feeling terrible because he i like his art a lot that's what uh, editing is for yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, same artist who worked with um uh, the uh image book sex criminals which i liked a lot too but um Hawkeye in that comic is um is a dude who is not real well shaven like like uh you know Sparky there. Um mm -hmm. he's he looks like he's been run over. It was it was actually a um the impetus for the Hawkeye um show on uh on Disney Plus mm -hmm. MC Universe uh, stuff. It the, the way that that character is portrayed was the, the way like the newer Hawkeye book was done, which is uh, there's there's this great panel where he, uh, there's someone's attacking his apartment and he is jumping across um, and he's like, he's great. He's, he's jumping across the bed in a way that the um, little, little frame of the, the original Hawkeye art was covering as Johnson. Um, but yeah, he, he's, he's, he's naked and trying to survive in his own apartment. There, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of good stuff with that, but that is the same style art as is in this book. And so like that way, a lot of people don't like it, but because IDW is very clean. Yeah. Uh, Dream and the, is very the colorist, Mike Spicer, also worked on uh, Murder Falcon. Well, he's a co-creator creator of Murder Falcon. I'll check that out then. But yeah, these two work together a lot. Um, And the people, I mean, if y'all want to find a lot of good indie books, a lot of, uh, you know, limited run indie books, Image is really good about that. I would definitely check out things. Um. Like like I said before, Saga is one of my favorite comics. It's awesome. Um, I think they attract a lot of that just because of the way they allow the creators to retain the rights. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, yeah. and that's that's one of those. Um, it's one of those. If they're still doing that, I'm sure they are. They they actually are. They're really really good about that. The um oh here we go. This Hawkeye comic. I'm gonna find this is uh, artist right now. This is done by. Okay, I'm gonna lie to you right now because I can't. This is Matt Fraction, the writer. Matt Fraction's um, dear uh, Hawkeye. He uh, he does a lot of good stuff. Great uh, dialogue, great writer. But this, his Matt Fraction's um, Hawkeye book is very reminiscent of the uh, Transformers here from uh, Skybound. Anyways, great content, everyone. Sorry, I had to look at my phone again. <laughs> so uh, there they go. Oh yeah, look. I see that. I, I see exactly what you're talking about. I yeah, look that up and. Yeah, it's very good. It's a great book. Uh, anyone who wants to like see a really fun Hawkeye book that's not muddled with the Avengers, highly recommended. Um, so yeah, uh, Spike and Carly go to this little lookout point to sit and see the moon, but there's suddenly there's an earthquake and they fall into this cavern, huge cavern, where there is a giant ship that's there, and they they're they're kind of coming to and they look up and try to figure out where they are. And uh, Spike's like, what are these? What are the giant robots? And you see the splay of the arc. Oh, yeah. They're um, they're in one of the rocket engines. <laughs> yeah. And the arc is, they see all the uh, Autobots and Septicons all in stasis, like we saw at the beginning of uh, the original Sumbo show. Mm-hmm. But unlike that, um, Spike and Carly are trying to figure out what's going on, and, and uh, Jetfire shows up. So um, did you see Optimus Lane there? He kind of had a Easter egg to uh, Dark Awakening. I can see that actually. Part of his face it. is blown away, and you can see his little camera eye behind. It. I can see that actually. Yeah, he's yeah. there. He's there, and uh, Starscream's right there, also next to him. Yeah, you see uh, Skywarp kind of in the background, but uh, it, it's like the next morning of a frat party. It really is. I've been to some of those parties. <laughs> it's, it's bad. I know you've been to some of those parties too. I don't remember uh, them. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up. You're that, like, that's how you know they were good. <laughs> well, why am I on the couch? Um. Anyways. So Skyfire, <laughs> Jetfire, sorry. Jetfire shows up and revives Starscream. Yeah. Who immediately shoots Bumblebee's face off. Rip Bumblebee already. Right. Which is weird because, you know, we, we've seen. Okay. For one thing, in the Bay movies, Bumblebee is like a central character. Uh, we had the original Transformers versus G.I. Joe. There was a cover where Bumblebee is being blown up on a cover. Um, but Bumblebee is one of those characters that's just always there. He's always central. Mm-hmm. But man, Starscream just takes him out first chance he gets. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like the way when it shows the the arts computer rebuilding. It's like all their little bits are kind of flying onto them. Yeah. So. Almost like, um, there was, what movie I'm thinking of where they had like all the pieces kind of came apart. And I don't know. I'm trying to think there's a movie that did that where you saw the, uh, the pieces kind of like forming and the, I don't know. I'll figure it out later. Once again, uh, sorry, we're doing this kind of late. My brain. But yeah, shut. they're doing, they, Went to the whole thing with Starscream and Jetfire are old friends, which that's why he brought Starscream back. Yeah, but by the way, Jetfire does not have an Autobot symbol on him. He has no symbol on him at all. Yeah, he's not a line of faction. In fact, apparently, 
there were no factions when he no. left. They were just Cybertronians. And Jetfire's mission was to find um uh find a place for, for them to get resources uh to try to save Cybertron. Mm-hmm. And that's why he kind of panicked and freaked out. Uh that because um uh, he thought that was he was too late. Which well, kind of was. But uh yeah, so Scott uh, Jeff Hired tries to stop Starscream and uh, Starscream shoots him, just point blank shoots him, you know, calls him a fool, says like this is the enemy, this is the uh this is the the enemy faction right here, points to the Autobot symbol. And Optimus pulls a suplex on Starscream. He just grabs him, wraps him up, and goes flips him backwards. Oh, yeah, head. as he's about to blow Jazz's head off. Yeah, that's that's the uh, Autobot symbol he saw was on Jazz. Flips him back, and Optimus Prime suddenly sees Spike and Carly hiding. He's like, oh, man. Okay. Because, once again, everyone, Optimus Prime's motto is, uh, freedom is the right of all sentient beings, whether they are vermin or um, robots. And they must look like, like rats to them. Oh, yeah. Um, so Ratchet just suddenly kicks Starscream to stop him from shooting an Optimus. Yeah, because while they're fighting, the Ark is still putting robots together. Yeah. <laughs> Ratchet does a flying kick, which I like that because Ratchet, in the original uh, Marvel comic, Ratchet's a pretty flipping important character Um, all the way through the, to the end. I'm kind of curious if they're going to bring anything with that into this. I like the first words that Optimus speaks to a human is what are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Skywarp starts laying out a fire. Sky Skywarp just shows up, just starts bam, 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 bam with his arm guns. Um, and they realize the Teletrine one is randomly reviving them. Mm-hmm. You know, because in the original uh show it was a Thundercracker who was brought back first and they started. No, no, it was Skywarp. It was Skywarp. Okay. He dragged uh, Megatron over, then Megatron dragged all the rest of the Decepticons and then left. Yeah. And, yeah. So uh, I, that, there we go. Another little uh, nod to the original um, issue where Skywarp comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he starts dragging, following the Decepticons over to get it rebuilt. And Optimus is hiding out there with Ratchet. He's like, hey, look, Ratchet, if there's anything with my form, I should have a trailer. He looks over the side. That trailer over there. I need you to yeah. put all of our comrades in that trailer. It's just like, uh, I'll try as me tight, man. He's like, I'll cover you. Sees his rifle on the ground mm-hmm. and makes a dive for it. But Starscream's there. Yeah, yeah. and now Soundwave. And yeah, Sound. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. Soundwave gets reformed at that same time. And his, he's always got the shoulder rocket launcher. We really never, never seen him do much with that during the TV show. He mm-hmm. lays out Optimus Prime with that rocket launcher. You know what that's kind of a reference to, right? What's that? In on UK Marvel Comics number one, it has Soundwave laying into Optimus with his shoulder cannon, his little oh, javelin nice. gun, and that scene had never happened in anything until now. Nice. Like you have, I mean, it's not precisely that, but I mean, it's when you have Soundwave blasting Optimus in a number one issue. I mean, that, that never that, happened that... in the Marvel UK. Honestly, that's probably a direct tie. There's um, there's probably so many Easter eggs we haven't even picked up on yet. Oh, yeah, there's stuff. I'm sure there's stuff we overlooked. Oh, God, yes. So yeah. he launches it. Yeah, like you said, uh, Soundwave launches a volley from his shoulder launcher and knocked, knocks Optimus Prime back. And then Optimus Prime looks down and sees Bumblebee with yeah, Sans' face. There's like a yeah. crater in his, uh, with his, he's got this, uh, his 
his um horn you know helmet head thing yeah but everything below no his nose is gone on his yeah. face yeah he's like oh bumblebee and you know of course mm-hmm. starscream's like ah oh, you're gonna mourn you know the weakest of them of you all and man, Optus Prime is pissed. And so uh, Starscream takes him, grabs him from behind, and starts trying to choke him. And he, Optus Prime is trying to grab his rifle. He's trying so hard. And Spike is like, "Okay, look, he saw us. He didn't want to kill us. This guy's over here killing things. I'm gonna." He goes there and shoves. I actually thought when I first saw that Spike was gonna take the gun and turn it and shoot it like he Spike does oh, in the cartoon. Yeah, and, like he yeah, shoves he and the, Carly are shoving it to him. Yeah, he shoves the rifle over to Optus Prime. Optus Prime uh, shoots Ravage as soon as uh, like Soundwave lets him open. <laughs> Soundwave is like, no. <laughs> um, I mean, it's you know, it's it's kind of I, I don't know if it's how this is in the uh, the comics. Or we'll we'll see as it goes along. Like you know, Soundwave, I guess he kind of felt responsible for uh, Ravage mm-hmm. going out there. Um. So yeah, there's there's. It's a whole thing where um, Ratchet gets all of the uh, Autobots loaded up in the trailer and they make a break for it. And Optimus Prime runs, grabbing uh, Carly and Spike and transforms and they go into the cab. Yeah. Well, like before that, though, he blasts Teletran 1 because it's That's still right. repairing Decepticons. It's putting Reflector and Thundercracker together. That's right. He does. Uh, he's like, I'm sorry, you know, Teletran, we can't let, you, let this go. And he just shoots Teletran and blows it up and Starscream's pissed. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, the heat transforms like like you're saying. Um, he does a lot like um, the Rise of the Beast, where Noah is essentially in a little area and form the uh like um Mirage forms around him. Mm-hmm. Optimus Prime does that with um Carly and Spike, and yeah. they start getting out of there. And Ratchet goes, "What's inside of you, Optimus?" <laughs> and uh, there's Carly's over there going, "Hi." Uh, <laughs> So yeah, they they go they leave through the um the engine, um you know outtake, and uh, Spike leads them to the uh, the old quarry where him and Jimmy uh, used to be. But before that happens, though, uh, Starscream is trying to uh, stop them, and he's got yeah Skywalker. he's chasing them down. Yeah, he's he's like this is our one chance. This is our chance to take him out forever. Like they they're that's the last of them. They're not going to be able to come back. And uh, Skywarp's like, I can't go. I don't, I'm like low energy and Soundwave's seeing the same thing. They're all just like, they're dragging. And they're like season three Septicons at the, at the beginning. Like, oh, you know, we have nothing left. Oh, yeah. Well, and Jetfire sacrifices himself to stop him. Yeah. To he does. Uh, he goes, he transforms and goes and um, Starscream shoots you know, Jetfire. And, you know, um, that happens back at the quarry where you know, Optimus Prime's like saying, "Oh, sorry, Jetfire, you you deserve this kind of stuff." And um, yeah, lots happened. And Optimus Prime tries to open his chest and use the Matrix, and like Ratchet's like, "Look, the Matrix can heal things, but man, this you can't stop the inevitable. Like Jetfire's gonna die. You yeah, can't he's stop that. Gone apparently. Yeah, which is is saying a lot because." The um the Matrix was always like the MacGuffin. Like if you need a Deus Ex Machina, the Matrix was that, always was. But I almost wonder if they're going to make it so it's not that way now. Which I kind of like that. Yeah, you can't just solve all your problems with the Matrix. Yeah, and they go into as Jetfire's dying. He asks him like, "Uh, has anything changed? Is there any more hope?" 
I guess talking about saving Cybertron and yeah. Prime's like, I don't know, man. I, I hope so. A really long nap. <laughs> yeah, I just woke up myself, man. Um, yeah, it, it's it's once again a bleak outlook on uh on the future. Well, and, and he says not just Cybertron will die, but everything will die. So yeah. I wonder if that's not Shades of Unicron. That's a good point. Yeah. Um. Though I, I gotta ask, um, or I, I got I've gotta wonder at this point. Um we, we not to, there there's the whole thing, like once again, I, I think this really is a nice blending of the bleak outlook of the Walking Dead mm-hmm. and Transformers. Because I mean they're not they're not a full fighting force. Like Starscream is a lot better off, which we'll get into that in a second. But uh, they're having to go find a place to hide out, like in The Walking Dead, when you get the survivors. They have this little mm-hmm. place where they can hide out, and there's always danger on the outside. Well, but, and it, it makes sense that it did like this, because, you know, in the original Marvel comics, it's like everybody woke up at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, And they just kind of, like, did a roll call and then decided to to split up and they'll fight later. Yeah. Which doesn't seem really realistic. No. You're, and then, of you're... course, you know, in Sunbow, you know, all the Decepticons were revived, and they just left the Autobots sitting there. So Starscream shot the uh, the volcano and yeah. uh, knocks up loose. Yeah, made Optimus fall into the repair beam. Yep. In this, it's like it, it's fixing both of those, I guess, logical problems. Yeah. Where, you know, if they're both being revived in tandem, then they're going to start fighting as soon as they're active. And- you know, there's going to be a firefight, and they're not going to leave their dead or dormant enemies untouched. Like sound way to give them coup de gras all the way around. <laughs> yeah. Honestly though, um, Optus prime is making the, the right decision where he's like, all right, look, we can get our, our comrades back ratchets here. He can repair people. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take off out of here and go regroup somewhere else, but we're not going to leave like a bandaid, you know, a, a, we're not going to leave a triage for all the Decepticons. Right. So, so yeah, yeah. They, they trash Teletran one, so it can't repair anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Because Teletran one is just doing what it's supposed to do. So yeah, there's that. Um, but so they're all yeah. You know, the this is where you find out this is where Jimmy used to go with Spike when they would they like when you sneak out. Yeah, Jimmy okay. is apparently Spike's older brother. Yeah. Uh, I yeah I, I would hope people kind of figure that out by now. But yeah. <laughs> they, they don't outright say it, but you would think since uh, Spike is uh, he, it's almost he's he's working hard. He's trying to you know kind of almost feels like he's trying to get out of this like dead end town kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like he's trying to get out of here. Poor guy, he's probably gonna be stuck here forever. Um, so yeah, you all this stuff's going on, and um, Soundwave basically tells Starscream, "You got to go find energy for us. I don't know where you're gonna go, but you got to go find it." You're the only one who has the ability to do that. So yeah, he doesn't like uh, being the responsible one. No, he's yeah. like he's like the he's like the berserker. He's just he likes that he has uh, energy right now and he has all the capabilities. He's mad that no one else can like kind of help him out. You know, he's got to he's got to be responsible. He's got to be the, uh, the oh, house bomb seems, for everyone. He seems very aristocratic. Starscream yeah. wants to give all the orders, but doesn't want to do any of the dirty work. And uh, he. What is it? Soundwave starts talking about Megatron. He's like, no, I'm the leader now. Yeah, don't don't even mention him. <laughs> yeah, don't even t- say his name. I'm the leader of the Decepticons. In which we haven't even seen Megatron's body in any of this. 
But uh, if you want to check out Cobra Commander number one, <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Um, which yes, that, I, that's kind of a little mystery here too. Yeah, at least in this part of it. Yeah, it actually very uh, it's very reminiscent of uh, Transformers animated with uh Doctor um, God, what was his name? Sumdak. Sumdak. Yes, Doctor yeah. Sumdak. And uh, Megatron of that. So I like that a lot. Kind kind of shades of Generation Two also. It actually is with um. What was the uh, the 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 scientist? Doctor uh, Biggles Jones. Biggles Jones. That was the weirdest yeah. last name. Doctor Biggles Jones. It was hyphenated. So yes, it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm, maybe she got married. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was actually very Doctor Biggles Jones. Um. And I wonder if they're going to use that to to make our mystery character into a tank or his mm. tank. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, we 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 go to uh, see Sparky and his buddy working, and uh, you know they're talking and talking, and you know they're just kind of commiserating how he's being with Spike and stuff. But wait, we have a special guest showing up. Starscream. Yep. So while while Davy and Sparky are arguing, yeah. Starscream shows up and uh, he's he basically is there for he's in it for energy. And uh, one of the best ways to end the comic. Starscream grabs Davy and, you know, he's just he thinks of this like monologue on him. No, he just squishes him. Yeah. Oh, so fragile. So and that's pathetic. it. <laughs> yeah. He, he just squishes Davy and that's it. It has a big bloody squish, too. It is. It's like the, the onomatopoeia is like blood. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he popped that zit. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um <laughs> Davey was full and juicy. Uh so yeah, man, that that is an issue number one. So yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, I really like this. Um and I know there are a lot of people who do not like it, and there's plenty of other media out there for you to en- en- enjoy. This is by far not the only Transformers media out there. So if you don't like this, you know, take your pick. This is really good, though. This is like, yeah. I mean, kind of what we got with Generation 2 when we finally got kind of the darker, grittier Transformers. Oh, yeah. Where they was like full, full on war yeah. between them. This is a lot like that. This, a uh, God, I couldn't even imagine Jackson. This is not this. your father's Autobot. Yeah. Remember? Oh yeah, I know the. I have the cover. Uh, yeah. I can't even imagine Jaxus in this world. That would be. Yeah. How much worse would he be? He'd be like the the Negan for Transformers at that point. I mean, he kind of was already, but yeah, yeah, I could see that. It's like uh, yeah, you know, he even started them out like on their knees. He did. Yeah, he so, really yeah. did. Uh, G two comics. You know, some of your favorite old characters just died because. They did because they're no one's no one's safe. Actually, you know, G two was very um was very Walking Dead bleak. Yeah, thinking about it, yeah, um, yeah, I, oh, I yeah, because always... they barely made it through that arc, and I mean, oh, yeah. it, if you follow that with Beast Wars, you know, Earth didn't survive that. No, <laughs> no, God, um. Yeah, the swarm and the Vok and all that, you know. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, reading his and the letters page, you know, from Danny Warren Johnson, 
his story about losing Optimus Prime's fists on the school bus. It's like, I can really relate to that because we all had that moment where we took a transformer or one of our favorite toys to school and either got stolen or taken up by a teacher or, you know, something bad happened to it and you lost part of it or you lost the whole thing. Actually, when I was, uh, when I was little, I went to, I used to go to summer camp, um, right down like close to where I lived, but, uh, it was this, this big park Bayview park. And, um, we would, you know, we were all like, I don't know, nine, 10 years old and stuff like that. And I remember that I talked my mom into buying me swindle and I took swindle to uh camp that day. And I was mm-hmm. like, had him in my lunchbox. I was showing to the friends and stuff. And someone went into my lunchbox and stole it out of there. Oh, swindles always one of those, one of the ones that, uh, yeah, that, that, that it, it like hurts right here. Of course. I've, yeah. I've got another swindle at this point. But uh, whoever had the swindle, I hope you stepped in a, in a sewer drain. Yeah, I had my Blitzwing in the sixth Ooh. grade taken up uh, in my language arts class. And I had to go to the principal's office at the end of the day and pick it up. Mm-hmm. And when I got there, some other kid had claimed it. Of course they did. In the, the lost, they just threw it in the lost and found box. So, Yeah, actually, I, uh, in the 80s, are bad about that. I remember... Um, we used to trade Nintendo games. I actually, uh, I traded a friend, uh, TNC surf designs, which is like a skating and surfing, uh, Nintendo game. Mm-hmm. I traded for double dragon. Well, little did I know I put it in the, my, my back, small pocket of my backpack. He came behind me, stole it out of my backpack and then, uh, said, I, I lost the game. So he's going to keep mine. Oh, wow. Man. Well, I didn't realize it until years later. So my first bully, and uh, uh, survived it. So, so you know, you mentioned Void Rivals variant yeah. covers. But oh, God. Void Rivals has nothing on oh, Transformers yeah. number one. Tell us. I mean, I, I was chasing them down, just trying to see how many there were. And as I was chasing them, I, I was finding more. You know, there was just there's so many of them. I think I counted 58 different covers. That's insane. And if you were to go out, just looking at the prices on eBay for all the different covers, if you were to chase down all these covers and get them all, you'd spend over $2,500 chasing down all these different, because there's a lot of them were exclusive covers to different comic shops and websites. There's a panel one, like wasn't that. there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there was the, the ash cans. There were two ash cans that they gave out uh, at, I want to say, was it San Diego Comic-Con? Yeah. And then they had a special one that you only got if you attended their panel. Yeah. And yeah, those are like crazy. I think they're wanting like over $200 each for those. And those are just ash can copies. So they don't even have like the, the cover paper, I yeah. guess. I don't know. I haven't seen one because it's too expensive. I've <laughs> seen <laughs> photos, but yeah, the, um, I mean, I used to, I used to criticize Dreamway for doing like five different, uh, covers for every issue, but this is, that's nothing. Well, and, you know, it's not like this is all on Skybound. These people are basically requesting custom covers, and sometimes it's artists making a custom cover for it. And there's, I've seen some of them had 300 issues made. Some of them had, most of them had a thousand. There's yeah. usually a thousand of each, but there were some that had 500 and 800 and various amounts. So I guess if you got a custom cover, anybody could get a custom cover for this if they ordered it and got it done. Apparently, there's some kind of so you could do like a more than meets these guys cover for it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, if anyone wants to add to the Patreon, I'll try to do that. So, um, you know, speaking of that, I mean, um, 
one of the things you told me about that I actually had to seek out, uh, Void Rivals number uh, number five had a really good, once again, um, callback to Walking Dead uh, cover. Let me see if I can get away from the light here. Uh, this cover is very reminiscent of the Walking Dead cover. And, oh, uh, yeah, especially but, with Rick right there yeah, and right, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of uh, homages to um, The Walking Dead. There's a lot of homages to other things like that. I, I like that. Um, I, I I would never track down all those Ashcan covers. I would never track down all these little things. But I only have like five different covers for Void Rivals number one. Yeah. Which uh, this one, honestly, best of all. No, oh, um, yeah. yeah. Well, then you can get your own private sketch from somebody something personalized that's actually not a bad idea if i well i'm not going to pensacon this year um yeah there's there's a whole story there you could hit uh, one of those cons up yeah <laughs> eventually <laughs> hey, who knows if i uh we end up going up the uh, northwest or northeast there a little there's a lot, a lot better chance to go to a convention up, up in those areas um yeah new york you know seattle portland anything like that oh yeah I'll definitely keep these guys and I will definitely be ready for a sketch on this cover. Sketch, sketch Jetfire on there. Um, anyways, uh, so yeah, this is a good, strong start to the Energon universe. I'm really happy with this. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to a lot more from it. Because... Like you said, you know, the having like things like the Skuxoid and the Cesardo, you know, team up would be kind of cool. Just different things like that, you know, give it chances for the world to breathe. This whole comic is basically like a love letter to all us Gen X fans. Yeah, it is. And it's a new start for like newer fans. So you don't have to know all the Gen X stuff, you know, from G1. But, you know, it kind of whets your appetite to mm-hmm. see what the Easter eggs are referencing. But you yeah, don't and- need to know them to enjoy the comic. You don't need to know anything about the original Marvel run. You don't have to know anything about IDW, yeah. anything to pick up on this book and see that it's 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 rough there is so much action that happens in the uh, second half of this book i mean the second half maybe like the Thanks. middle the middle half yeah that is like five or ten minutes worth of action that takes up half of a comic but there's yeah. so much stuff going on there's a lot of action a lot of fighting it's it's what you always wanted from transformers back in the day that a lot of times they'd sit and spend a page talking about the names of their weapons and stuff, you know, oh, and yeah. doing roll calls. There's not a lot of that. It, it's like, it's worked in the exposition, the stuff you need to know about their weapons or their names. And then yeah, yeah everything else is just sheer, you know, brutal warfare. I mean, this comic right here, this, this right here needs a Guar soundtrack. That's how much <laughs> stuff is. It's just like, it's a violence and it's this bleak, nihilistic and interesting there's there's not a there's not a so far there's 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 these little moments in the comic so far little moments of like niceness um of sunshine and then it's all just you know wiped out with how horrible the war is oh yeah well and like i said that it has a lot of that walking dead formula to it too because You know, you'll see a nice vista where, oh, look how pristine the environment is. And then you peek over the edge of the canyon and it's full of the dead. Yeah, a horde of walkers. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, in the show, did a pretty good job of that, too. Yeah. You see, like, a deer in the woods. And uh, then you see, like, you know, a walker, like, 
five feet away from it, getting ready to eat it. So yeah. uh, there, there's a lot <laughs> of never interest. trust a serene moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you're happy, if you feel like calm for a second, should you? No. Yeah. I, I'm afraid to get attached to any characters on here. Because <laughs> you, you know how they like to do that too. It's like they'll build up a character you really like them. Oh nope, bitten. Oh man, we <laughs> used to play in the uh, back of the comic shop, and I was reading the Walk into the Time, and I, I would uh, our, our friend Glenn, who's passed away now. Um, Ed and I, we game with this guy, and mm-hmm. uh, he would he would come up. We get re- we're getting ready to play D and D or whatever else in the back room after after hours, and he would uh, hold the cover up. He's like, Kirkman is an asshole. I hate that man, but I can't stop reading it because you know, it would happen. Like you, you like you love this character. You get to the point where you're like, this character is so good. I'm so I can't wait for. And he he's dead. Yeah, not even courageously. He just dies off panel somewhere. Oh yeah, or gets you know shot from somebody off panel. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah, there's there's no glorious. Uh, there, there's there's no grace or glory to the deaths in The Walking Dead. Yeah. I mean, you know, you not even see someone's. You may not know when someone's dead until you see their head put on a spike. Yeah, um, referencing a certain uh, dreadlock guy. Um, yeah. So yeah, the um, there's so much going on in this, and I, I I I love it. There needs to be real stakes because this is a war. Um, they can't be the Sunbo show. The Sunbo show was like you know everyone laughs at the end kind of thing. That that. This is well, what we work in this kind of world. They had, they still had like network standards, and mm-hmm. we're dealing with the weight of them finally deregulating, you know, toy cartoons. So they couldn't push it too far. They pushed it yeah. pretty far, but yeah. they couldn't have done this. There are some episodes that got kind of dark. And yeah. just, that's they got away with a few things, but nothing like this. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. I'm really in for it. Um, man, like uh. I'm all for this. Uh, this is a good new start. I'm liking it. I, I haven't liked everything that's come out for the media in the past, like the novels that came out, the Transformers novels. Yeah. I couldn't the stand The aligned stuff, yeah. Yeah, I, I just did not like them at all. It just didn't really get me. Uh, IDW did a lot of great things. Dreamwave did a lot of neat things too, but in the long run, I just couldn't stand the designs with uh, IDW. IDW, or not IDW, I mean Dreamwave. Dreamwave. Dreamwave is very much, you know, like we, we make fun of Chris, Chris Claremont, you know, um, uh, Captain America with a huge chest. It's going out. Oh, Liefeld. No, the light, Liefeld. God, I'm sorry. Uh, Liefeld with the uh, huge chest. That was essentially Optimus Prime in the beginning of Dreamwave. That dude. They were very puffy. That dude. Yeah. That dude had the biggest, puffiest chest. But uh, yeah, so this is a, uh, this is a nice new direction. I'm really Happy to see where it's going, and um, I'm I'm here for it. Any notes on you? Are you going to end on this tonight? Oh well, I'm just noticing your uh, Valentine Optimus behind you there. Oh yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's cute. So my uh, my my wife decided to go all in, and she realized that you know things like this make me happy. She she made this out of cardboard and foam, and uh, it's all well the Valentines done. are huh? It's well done. Oh yeah, she. She all my Valentine's oh, in the back. Cool. <laughs> yeah, she um she she got made... a flap on his underwear. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I got a couple more um I've got a couple more uh, Valentine's here. Let me let me get them. She gave me these last minute. Um, yes, I remembered. I have a photographic memory reflector. Oh, and, that's uh, funny. 
<laughs> Sorry, I do everything fast. Call me. Um, so yeah, she's she gave me um Valentine's like two or three a day until like Valentine's Day, and then she uh she surprised me with this actually vintage um party uh centerpiece. Wow. Yeah, she where did she find that on eBay? Wow, that's a, yeah, that's it's really cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna pack it up when uh you know I'm gonna I've got the packaging thing for it. I'm gonna protect it between some uh cardboard. She yeah, I haven't this. seen one of those in like forty years. Right, I've got some G two uh, tablecloths and napkins and plates and stuff like party plates, but uh, that that's actually um, let's see, it's in good shape. It's in really good shape. Oh yeah, she pulled it out of the pack. She broke the package. Um, nineteen eighty four Hasbro Industries. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I want to have it out for a little because I want to enjoy it, but I'm gonna put that away. Yeah, that's she, fragile. She, yeah, it's cardboard <laughs> and paper. Yeah. Yeah. She uh, she kind of went out of her way to uh, find something that was uh, kind of unique, something I never would have thought of. Yeah, so I really appreciated that. My 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 wife went all out for me. That's clever, yeah. and it it's good that she supports you in your obsession. She yeah. she's an enabler. <laughs> I think she gave up fighting it a long long time while back. Um, if you look behind me, yeah, uh, yeah, she That's she very has little, generous plant, of her. Yeah, she has little <laughs> plants and crafty things over there. I have my horde like smog <laughs> behind me. Um, right. Part of my horde. The other part of the hordes in boxes and bins in the other room. I imagine you rolling over with like transformers stuck to your belly. <laughs> like smog in his gold coins. <laughs> I won't. I won't confirm or deny that it's ever happened. <laughs> you know, um, I, what I, uh, watch out for hobbitses. <laughs> Trixie hobbitses with the dirty yeah. pocketses. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I I will say that um, uh, guns, weapons, you can lose in your bed and then wake up and they fall off in the shower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say that happened, but I'm just saying it can happen. <laughs> That's but, where uh, that chrome missile went. <laughs> no, thankfully it wasn't chrome. <laughs> not that it happened, but it, yeah, it wasn't chrome. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's why all the reissues have those giant missiles on them now, so they're easier to so, find. <laughs> they don't go to the drain. <laughs> I'd, oh God, our our drain in our shower has like a little thing you can move off to the side, and it goes this PVC straight down. I gotta make sure that never comes off. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, funny little side note. Um, I finally cleaned up around my desk. Um, I had a, I was trying to, I'm re repurposing a, uh, a G1, uh, power master getaway mm-hmm. and oh, I had yeah. to order it. I had to order a junker because I couldn't find one of the springs. Guess what I found when I actually cleaned up, you found the spring now. <laughs> I, so I have two getaways. There you go. Yep. So I found the spring. So I'm going to repair my original one and then I'm going to have another, I guess. Yeah. But you get to use more peroxide. <laughs> yeah. A lot more peroxide. Uh, yeah. Nice. Be- good. $10. Well spent. Uh, anyways, um, so thanks everyone for being here this week. I know this is a long episode. We wanted to have something out there, um, and we wanted to go in. I, I think this is overdue. We should have done this already, but my life's yeah. been hectic. I know your life has been hectic. It's been a hard few months, but we're getting there. So, um, anyways, everyone, good thanks time. for joining. Yeah, yeah, real good times. <laughs> thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate you all being here, and please keep joining us and check the show notes. There is the Discord in there. We welcome you to the discord where you'll have random discussions about random things all day long and trigger and his uh art or their their art sorry their art and uh their um their 
you know, rock collections and everything. And just us being nerds. And also don't forget to check out the AxelonUnderground.com. Uh, the Axel Underground uh, has a uh, Facebook page and you have a Discord also, right? Correct. So, um, yeah, we have all that going for us. Um, check out the uh, Patreon if you like what we're doing. Me, us couple of old uh, aging Gen Xers um, rambling about toys. Uh, so thanks everyone for being here. Um, do you have anything you want to leave us with, man? Oh, uh, I don't really have a quote or anything this time. <laughs> I was we kind of gave you so much notice for this episode. I know, right? Like an hour. <laughs> an hour. <laughs> here, let me let me grab something. Let's see what I can just grab okay. randomly off my Sorry, desk. Sorry, I didn't even throw you on the spot. Oh, that's all right. I I, I live for it. <laughs> okay. We have the, the Transformers 3 play quiz from the, I believe this is the 1985 annual. <laughs> so we're just going to do question A. It's a 10-point score for the correct answer. It says, which Decepticon commander were the Dinobots created to battle following the Ark's crash landing on Earth? I will give everyone like three, two, one shockwave. Shockwave, so, that's correct. You got 10 points. There you go. <laughs> the winner! I have the so, most points out of this episode, so I win. Anyways, oh yeah, so that's our uh, that's our quote is a random quiz from a. We should do UK that annual. More often. Have uh, some <laughs> annual quiz things. That'd be great. Oh yeah, we should do that. That'd be fun. Yeah, uh, great. Hey everyone, you we witness a new show thing we're doing here. Uh, so anyways, oh, you can uh, we can start throwing the questions into like the show notes, and they can answer in the comments. Oh man, look at that! Or you we're can on to something. Discord and answer it. Yeah. So uh, thanks everyone for being here and we look forward to you joining us next week. And uh, I'm going to work my best to see if I can get some uh, a video of this put up by the, uh, by the, the end of the week here, because I've got to find some uh, images I can use for this. So um, anyways, and I always have a disclaimer at the end of the episode. So uh, I always say like these images are uh, property of Marvel, Sunbow, Hasbro. Um, I also say, image and skybound comics for this one too so thanks yes. everyone for being here have a fantastic week and see you next time bye Mises Guys is performed by Evan Johns and Ed Strickland with Boo of the Excellent Underground.com. Research is also done by Evan Johns, Ed Strickland, and Boo of the Excellent Underground.com. All used images are property of Hasbro, Sunbow, Paramount, and or Marvel. And without you, none of this would be possible. So thank you so much for being here, and we look forward to you being here every week. <laughs>